All right, so we're going to continue this series uh, in the book of Hebrews. We'll be in chapter 5 today, uh, uh, chapter 5 and 6. And the first line in chapter 5 that we're going to read says, By now you ought to be a lot smarter, but you're really dumb. That's what it says. That's, that's the actual line. And I'm like, okay, how do I sugarcoat that? You don't. All right. So whoever's writing this book of Hebrews, he's writing back to the, the church in Jerusalem. And he's expecting a whole lot more out of them by this point in their faith than what he's seeing. He expects more maturity than what he's getting. He expects more leadership than what he's getting. And he says, you ought to be ahead of the game, but instead you're really hard-headed. Last week we talked about hard-hearted. Uh, today it's about being hard-headed. And so the message is called Back to School. Because what he talks about is by now, he says, by now you should have left the elementary things behind and you should have moved on to more mature things. You should be past this simple stuff, and we should be in deeper waters. And listen, we've been talking about this. As pressure mounts on Christianity, we have got to be stronger in our faith, in the Word, in prayer, in, in the spiritual warfare. Because if we do not know how to protect ourselves, the world is going to chew us up. John MacArthur, last week, one of the most the boldest men in the country out in Southern California, they told him, don't do it, shut it down. Governor Newsom said, close your church. They told him they will cut off his electricity and his water. Man, would I like to be the lawyer waiting for that to happen. But the Second Amendment is pretty clear about our right to worship. Or the, that would be the First Amendment. Uh, Second Amendment, that's another one I forgot about. Um, but the First Amendment is very clear about our uh, opportunity for free speech and to worship without state interference. And MacArthur said this last week. You can look it up. He preaches for an hour and ten minutes every week. All right? You're welcome. All right? Um, but in that sermon, in that sermon, he said, guys, we have moral responsibility to obey the laws of the land until they cross the laws of Scripture. Then we have a moral obligation to disobey the laws of the land. And he quotes from, from Acts chapter 4 when Peter said, You have to decide what is right. Do I serve man? Do I serve Caesar? Or do I serve God? Now that is not an outright statement of rebellion. He said, We owe it to the government to stay under authority until the government says, You cannot be a Christian. Or if the government says, You must have an abortion. Then we have every moral right to push back and to disobey. Does everybody understand what he's saying? So pray. Pray for John MacArthur. Pray for the churches. It's Grace Community Church is the name of his church. He's 81 years old, and this guy just doesn't care. I love it. And um, But there's a whole bunch of pastors in California. Uh, they're, they're risking everything just to stand in the pulpit and preach today. Again, not in Saudi Arabia, in California. All right, just making sure that, that you understand that. All right, how many of you, and some of you may have them, I'm not giving you a hard time. I just, you know, sometimes I feel like I need to give public service thing. Anybody have, remember the Velcro tennis shoes? Any, yeah, all right. Oh, yeah, they're, you know, they're easy. They work. Uh, I, had, I had high top uh, basketball shoes. They laced up, but then at the top they had the Velcro. See, but that was like 1980, and since then they've done a lot more research, and we know you really should not be wearing these. 
They're a total ripoff. All right, let's go right to the text. Uh, if you'll stand out of respect for God's Word. <clears throat> All right, so the writer to the Hebrews says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you are hard-headed. You do not understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, become believers in Christ, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away from that. It's impossible to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again, subjecting Him to public disgrace. You can be seated. So back to school. As we go back to school, he says we need to grow up, not just old. And this is an old statement amongst pastors. People will say, listen to me, Sonny, I've been a, I've been a Christian for 50 years. And the response is, have you been a Christian for 50 years or have you been a Christian for one year 50 times? Because there's a big difference in that statement. He says elementary things need to be left behind. Now, I think it's interesting what he lists as elementary things. He said, by now, you should be teachers, you should be leaders. You should not only be involved with missions, you should be leading. You should not only be helping buy a van, you should be buying a van. You should not only be helping with this mission, you should be leading it. You should be leading this class. But instead, you're still be given milk. Now look, I like milk as much as the next guy, and I know in our vegan world this can be difficult. But if I have a choice between a bottle of milk and a steak, am I, are you with me? All right, that's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. But too many people are content to stay in that elementary state. But the things he talks about, I mean, I look at that list and go, wow, elementary things. Knowing about Jesus Repenting, getting away from everything that will destroy your life and send you to hell. About baptism, about following God. He said that's all elementary stuff. Maturity is when we get to the point where we're following righteousness. Now this is not in a vacuum. This is not talking about, and, and this is where another group gets it wrong, where they're like, Listen, I'm righteous. I don't even associate with non-Christians. I sit in my little bubble and I memorize scripture. Okay, great. What good are you? No. Moving on to righteousness means that you are no longer needing teaching, but you get teaching so that you can teach. 
2 Timothy 2.2 says, You take the faith and you pass it on to faithful men who will give it to faithful men who will give it to faithful men. And if we don't do that, the gospel stops with us. And if you want to know why 72% of the American churches are dead, dying, and closing right now, it's because they stop doing that. The people that are in the church might still love Jesus, but if they don't pass it to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and if you don't have a teen department and a children's department, pretty soon you don't have a church. Pretty simple, isn't it? But it's not just biological. Yeah, okay, we've got teens and children. But it's also got to be conversion. You and I have got to be bringing in our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and helping them find the grace of Jesus, helping them know about forgiveness. Because at what point do you learn enough? At what point do I have enough information? John Maxwell says it so well. He said, never in the history of Christianity has a group of Christians been more educated far beyond their level of obedience than the American church. In other words, you've got every... You've got every podcast, CD, cassette, 8-track, album, you, you name it, you've got the teaching. But what good does it do if we don't apply it? You see, let me show you this handsome guy. This, this picture is from 1966. Yes, this is me. And uh, just a handsome devil, isn't he? Yeah. Now... My wife, I asked her how old I was, and she wrote back and said 13, I think. But um, I'm, three, I'm three years old in that picture. What God expected of Joe at three years old is not what Joe, God expects of Joe at 57. What God expects of me as far as how I treat people, my my commitment to family, my commitment to how I handle my finances, my commitment to not throwing a fit and uh, be rolling around on the floor. See, things that I might have been allowed to get away with when I was three, God expects me not to be in that same spot. It's not about me being you or you being me or you being them. That's never the question. He says, what you shouldn't be is that. Joe, you can't be here at 57 and still be that. He said there's a time to leave that stuff behind and move on to maturity. And he said, God willing, we'll do that. That's why he's writing them this letter saying, guys, come on. It's time you became leaders. It's time you stepped up. It's time you became one of the givers. You became one of the world changers, not just someone who sits and takes it in. Um, and then he says to train yourself to be godly. Now, I always, I think that's interesting because when I think of training, I think somebody else doing it for me. When you go to the gym, everybody goes, hey, you need to hire a trainer. I hire a trainer? Why do I want somebody to punish me? All right? But that's not what it says. It says train yourself. Okay. Well, then why am I here? Well, when you go to a small group, a Bible study, or you listen to that podcast, or you're listening to, to me, or Cord, or Ben, or whoever's teaching on stage, uh, we're giving you information. But you've got to train yourself. I've got to train myself. To do what? Look at, look at what the Bible says. You've got to train yourself to do good. So you are the only one that can control you. I'm the only one that control me. So I got the information... So people say, wait, so you didn't know that was wrong? No, I knew it was wrong. So it was a choice. 
It was a choice. But in our culture, everything is labeled as an illness, a disease. It's somebody else's fault. It couldn't possibly be my fault. Let me ask you this. Whose fault could it be? Are we not responsible for ourselves? I know that's a strange concept in our society today. The text makes it very clear. Train yourself. So you get information, you get teaching, you go back and read the Bible, you go back and pray, but only you can train yourself to not scream and yell. Only you can train yourself not to be abusive. Only you can train yourself to do right things. That's a choice. We think of training, we usually think of boxing. And no matter how many great boxers there have been in history, almost everybody thinks about Rocky, who, of course, was not a boxer, but that's the picture we have in our head. But if you know anything about boxing, it's all training. It is training of the diet, it's exercise, it's up early in the morning, it's at the gym, it's weightlifting, it's pounding things, it's mental training. There's a whole bunch of mental training that goes on. And that goes on for a year for a fight that's going to last about an hour. That's if you don't get your brains beat out. It's going to last an hour. But you train for a year for that hour. As Christians, we need to be in training constantly. If you're still breathing, you're still in school. We're still here. God's got a purpose for us. Somebody's soul's on the line. Some church needs to be planted. Some, some mission needs to be helped. Somebody needs to be prayed for. There's always something there for us to do. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Here's part of the training. Have nothing to do with godless myths, old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be, what's it say? Godly. godly. Well, how, how do I train myself to be godly if I don't know what God thinks? So you've got a culture running around saying, well, this is what Jesus said. You know, Jesus never said this. Jesus never said that. Read the book. There's a, Jesus said a lot about marriage. He was real specific about marriage being between a man and a woman. Read the Bible. It's real clear about how God feels about abortion. And yet I listen to people who claim to be Christians saying... Well, you know, Jesus was all about love. and He was. You ever seen clear out the temple in Jerusalem? There's all kinds of stories, but nobody wants to talk about those. Nobody wants to get down to the core. We want to have a surface level, and we want, to, we want Christianity, but we don't really want it. Paul said, you've got to get rid of all the old wives' tales and all the myths... And to train yourself to be godly, you've got to read the book and find out what God thinks. Otherwise, it's not godliness you're learning, it's you you're learning. And I think we all know what's really inside of each one of us. So, grow up, not just old, train yourself to be godly, and then obey and move on. Now, we've got a, a box, and I, I hesitate to do two things at the same time, but I trust you guys, and there's so much that needs to be done. Besides Hasten, there's another box out there, and uh, it's for three different things. Uh, we're going to divide the money up. We've got the hurricane situation that's going on up north. Uh, we were spared, yes, but others were not. Uh, we also have the nightmare in Beirut. 
we are very much involved with that. I was on some private calls this week. Um, Forty years ago, uh, Lebanon was a 90% Christian country. Today, it's 95% Islam. But there are still a lot of Christians there. And interestingly enough, not one Christian was hurt during that entire mess. But all their food was destroyed, their homes were all destroyed, their church buildings were all destroyed. And the plea that they made, this, this one lady, you'd have to see her, but when, she, when, they, when we're on this video call, she gets her face right up in the phone and she says, Church, I'm begging you, speaking to the American church, do not give your money to the government, not to your government or to our government. None of us will ever see it. Please give it through the churches. Well, we know that to be true anyway. And so we're going to help with that. And we're also uh, in that same box. We're going to, there, there'll be money going. How many of you know the story of the, uh, the eight Marines and the one Navy corpsman that died? Let me see your hands. Okay. Better than last night, but still didn't get a lot of press. You know, this is my question. What if, what if that would have been a basketball team and nine of them would have died? Do you think there'd be anything else on television? Probably not. We'll come back to that. But there's a box out there to help with all that. Um, what he says is the reward for faith. At the end of this part I read, he says, be faithful and then get on. Because the reward for being obedient to God is the next job. But Christians, too often we do something and we want to stand in the limelight. It's like the church does something and they're like, man, in 1980 you should have seen what we've done. And we pose for pictures and, it, listen, we'll have all of eternity to pose. Right now, there's work to be done. We're running out of time. The world's being destroyed physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually. It's sex trafficking. Pick the topic. We can go down it. <coughs> And we're doing our best to keep our hands and our hearts and our prayers and our money invested in all of that. But you obey and then you move on to the next thing. You don't stop and revel in that. We celebrate God, we obey God, and we move on. Let me give it to you this way. Here's a picture of Babe Ruth in 1927. This is when he hit his 60th home run. All right, This is incredible. All right, Short of steroids, this is going to be tough to beat. All right. When Ruth hit this home run, and you can watch the video of it, he comes around the base, no hot dogging, he just runs around the bases. He comes in, not one person on his bench. I didn't like him much either, but that's another thing. He comes in, the guy on deck slaps his hand, he goes into the dugout, everybody's kind of like, whatever, and he sits down. Compare that to 100 years later. This is Jose Batista, just in a playoff game. And I know it's all about entertainment and drama now. But he hits a home run, and it's one of the greatest bat flips in history. As he flips the bat away, and he walks around the bases. I was taught something a long time ago, and it's called act like you've been there. With Ruth, it was expected. I'm going to go up there, I'm going to do my job, I'm going to come back. But today, it's all about the show. Christians, we can't let that happen. We're not here for the show. We're here to do the job. In eternity, we'll talk. In eternity, we'll talk about what that medical van did. We'll celebrate all of that. We'll sit and talk about all the victories. But right now, 
we obey and we move on. And he said, guys, mature people don't get stuck in these elementary things. They're faithful to God and they move on. Exodus 4, 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Let God lead the way. So there'll be people down front. You saw the baptism at the beginning. If you need to accept Jesus, there'll be folks on both corners. Palm Bay and Deland, there'll be people there down front to, to meet you. Michael and David will be there uh, to help you. But we're going to finish a little bit differently today. Um, I want to tell you a little story uh, about how I'm standing here today. I'm 18 years old, and my life is totally out of control. All right, so maybe you've got a kid that's got a problem right now, or maybe you're one of those people. Um, I was a mess. And there was a youth pastor at my church who was probably 20. Okay, he was a lot more mature than me. No, he was not. Uh, but he came. Every weekend, he drove an hour to come to our little country church. They paid him $30. Barely covered his gas in his old Grand Torino he drove. And Tom came out and would minister to six, seven high school kids. I was one of them. And he knew I was a mess. It, was, it wasn't really difficult to figure out. And Tom said to me one day, he said, Joe, look, why don't you come to college, come to Bible college, play baseball for a semester, and I need a roommate, you can live with me, and just... Give God three months, and let's see if we can't get your screwed-up life fixed. That was 30-something years ago. I'll forever be grateful for Tom. Now, I tell you all of that to tell you this. Tom's son, Zeke, is a Marine based at Camp Pendleton. He was one of the guys that was supposed to be on that AAV that sank. And the first text I got from Tom was, there's been a disaster at Camp Pendleton, and we're not sure if Zeke was on there or not. And so obviously all of his friends started praying. And uh, turns out Zeke had gotten special uh, assignment that day, and he was not on that ship. Um, but nine of his friends were. And so you can imagine all that's going on in everybody's heads, hearts, the emotions of the parents. And again, I saw about this much coverage on the news, and it just really bothered me. And I can't make CBS or Fox or anybody else do anything, but I thought, you know what, we can do something here. So I found out, I didn't even know, but in our finance department, on our own staff, um, we have a Marine and this is Staff Sergeant Jeff Knight. And uh, if you'd welcome Jeff to the stage. <laughs> just, just remain standing. Private First Class Brian Baltiera, 19 years old, Rifleman, Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. Lance Corporal Marco Barranco, 21 years old, Rifleman, Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. 
Private First Class Evan Bath, 19 years old, Rifleman, Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. Private First Class Jack Ostrovsky, 21 years old, Rifleman, Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. Corporal Wesley Rod, 23 years old, Rifleman, Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. Lance Corporal Chase Sweetwood, 19 years old, Rifleman, Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. Corporal Cesar Villanueva, 21 years old, Rifleman, Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. Lance Corporal Guillermo Perez, 20, 20 years old, Rifleman, Bravo Company, 1st Battalion, 4th Marines. Hospitalman Christopher Nim, 22 years old, Corpsman, Battalion Landing Team 1-4, United States Navy. You know, it's been said only two people died for you, Jesus Christ and the American soldier service person. Jesus said, no greater love has this than a man lay down his life for a friend. Father, I pray for these families, the mothers, the fathers, brothers and sisters, the girlfriends, the wives, the rest of the mates in the battalion, in the company, the grief, the anger, Father, freedom's never been free, not in America and certainly not in eternity. Help us today to remember the price that it costs for freedom for us to stand here and worship and the freedom that, it, that Jesus paid for on the cross. Thank you for these nine. May we never forget this kind of sacrifice. In Jesus' name.